So if truly you have come to see Jesus, I know you will not see me. If truly you have come to see Jesus, my prayer for you tonight is that you shall see Jesus Amen. in the name of Jesus. Amen. And no one sees Jesus and remains the same. And so by the virtue of your meeting Jesus tonight, so many things will change about your life. And indeed you shall be glad that you are here tonight in the name of Jesus. I appreciate my father, my father in the house and indeed all the honorable and esteemed uh, fathers and men on this service table for another opportunity that they've given to me to stand before you. I say may God bless them and the ministry in the name of Jesus. Let me start my conversation tonight by testifying. I didn't raise up my hand when uh, testimony was called because I knew I was going to have a platform to do that. I want to thank God for his many faithfulness and mercies upon my life and my family. We just buried our auntie that had been staying with us who died last week. You know, at some point, the journey was so rough. You know, a few days to the burial, a lot of things were undone. And we didn't even know where the supply would come from. But God indeed showed us that he is the God of the 11th hour. Praise the Lord. And how we did it, we don't know. But what we know is that it was a success and everything went well to the glory of his name. I say may his name be praised in the name of Jesus. Acts chapter 2, I will read quickly from verse 42. Turn your Bibles with me to the book of Acts chapter 2. I will begin to read from verse 42. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Next verse, please. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. 44. And all that believed were together and had all things in common. Next verse, please. And sold their positions and goods and parted them to all men, as every man had need. 46. And they continued, and they continued daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. 47. Praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. May God bless the reading of his word in the name of Jesus. Amen. Tonight we shall be considering the topic, I've been instructed to speak on the topic that says fellowship among believers. Fellowship among believers. And as I was asking God questions about this particular subject, you know, a lot of things, God helped me understand a lot of things. And I also understand that this conversation is really, really important for us at this time. Because in our world, we are faced with a lot of distractions. There are a lot of things, there are a lot of things that looks like it, but it's not it. There are a lot of things that we do and miss. You know, there are a lot of things in fellowship, in church, in the Christian faith. There are a lot of, would I call it counterfeits, there are a lot of, you know, things that are unscriptural. And so God at this time wants to draw our attention again to what fellowship among believers should be like. You may ask yourself some of these questions sometimes. You know, there are some things that you read in the scriptures, you read in the Bible, 
And they will tell you of how God parted the Red Sea and the children of Israel passed over. You know, there are so many strange acts that we read in the Bible. And when we look at what the Bible says, the Bible says that the glory of the later house shall be greater than that of the former. And we ask ourselves, why is it that we are not seeing this great act of God as we ought to see in this day? Jesus has said, greater works will you do. Greater works. Even greater than what he had done. So why is it that we have, we have not been seeing the strange act of God, the power of God, as we ought to be seeing in this end time? And so that will bring your consciousness to the fact that there is something that we are obviously not doing right. And that is why I say that there are a lot of distractions. There are a lot of things that look like kids, but it's not it. Praise the Lord. If I go and dress in a female attire, a woman's attire, or, you know, dress like a woman puts the the, the, the chapel and all that, put the eye press on. Does it really make me a woman? No. So, if it's not it, it's not it. So, there is a model that God has given to us. There is a model that the people that have run before us have set for us via the scriptures. And that is what God wants us to understand tonight. Shout hallelujah. So, we shall be re-understanding the scriptural concepts of fellowship so that we can maximize the benefits and the gains it provides for us. Because fellowship is a wonderful thing. Shout hallelujah. If you, read, if you observe the scriptures, look at the book of Acts of the Apostle, you'll find out that fellowship was an important component in the life of the early day Christians. Fellowship was something that they were so committed and devoted to. If you look at that Acts chapter 2 verse 42 that we read, the Bible said that these men were devoted. You know what it means to be devoted? They were sold out. They were committed their coming to fellowship was not out of convenience. They were coming to fellowship because they knew that this was something that was important. Something that was a must for them. They, they didn't come to fellowship because they wanted to please somebody. Some of us are in fellowship for different reasons. But they knew that there was something in fellowship for them. Shout hallelujah. And so you didn't need to remind anybody about this message and say, oh, it is time for fellowship. There was no test message there. You didn't need to drag anybody to there. They knew that there was something for them there. If you know there's something for you, if you see a child pointing his finger at something, that means there is something that child is looking up to. Is it not true? So they were so committed and devoted to fellowship because they knew there was something in this thing for them. Shout hallelujah. And so we can really not overemphasize the importance of fellowship in our Christian faith. Shout hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. Fellowship for them was not just a routine. It was something they were devoted to. Hallelujah. Amen. So it was not a matter of just being in fellowship for, for, for being sick or for coming sick. They knew there was something for them. And that is why we see the acts of God that we see that happened in the life of the apostles. Hallelujah. Amen. And again, I understand from the scripture that these guys knew that not just enjoying the power of God, that the fellowship offered an important platform for them to encourage themselves, for them to build up themselves, and for them to, you know, edify themselves. If you look to the scripture, you will see that. Shout hallelujah. And so the first question we'll ask ourselves tonight is, what is fellowship? What is fellowship? What is fellowship? You know, there are a lot of ways that people can define fellowship, but for the sake of our discussion tonight, I'd like us to understand that the word fellowship is derived from the Greek word, which is koinonia. 
What did I call it? Koinonia. And koinonia, what it means is, you know, there's a lot of translations and meanings to it. But let me also tell you that it meant or it means sharing in common. Communion, thank you, Daddy. It means sharing in common. And what are we sharing here? Are we sharing biscuit and mineral? No. They were sharing from the finish, the benefits of the finished work of God, of Jesus on the cross. So everything that you can identify with the death and resurrection of Jesus is available in the place of fellowship. Shout hallelujah. So when they come together to fellowship, they share in the benefits, the many gains, the many signs, the many wonders, the many grace, the many things that are available for them as a result of the death and resurrection of Jesus. Shout hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. So every time when we come to fellowship, just like we've gathered here, we have not come only to drink the mineral and to take the snack. We have come to partake of the finished work of God on the cross. Shout hallelujah. So what it means is that if the finished work of Jesus had made healing available, when we come here, we share in that healing. Shout hallelujah. What it means is that if the finished work of Christ had made breakthrough available, had made provision available, had made salvation available, it means that when we come here, we share. So don't see beyond, see, so we see beyond the things that you see. Know that there is a benefit for you. There is something that Jesus has done and that is what we are here to share. Shout hallelujah. hallelujah. So next time when you're leaving this door, you need to also ask yourself, what am I living here today with? Because of course, if you've not come here and if you're not living here with anything, you don't have any business being here in the first place. I mean, we are all, you know, very... Uh, dignified people, I know that we don't want to waste our time. You know? So, if you come for fellowship and you don't live with anything, it means that you just wasted your what? Your time. Because there are loaded benefits which is available for us. Shout hallelujah. And I pray that from today we shall begin to see and be partakers of that benefits in the name of Jesus. Why am I saying this? Is that because we need to develop the consciousness Every time we gather to fellowship, you need to know that there is something for you. There is something that is available for you. Hallelujah. And that will enable you to come with expectation. Expectation. Shout hallelujah. You are coming to fellowship. You are coming to church. You are coming with an expectation. I was in Abuja some two months ago. Went for something in Abuja. And I was there. I got a news that broke my heart. Now listen. It was on a Sunday. And... I was staying somewhere at, uh, what do you call it? Uh, somewhere at uh, Jabia. So I didn't know, normally when I, when I stay in Abuja, I normally go to uh, Dunamis, Nugwe, to worship. So that particular Sunday, because of the weight of the news I had and all that. So I just called a friend of mine and I said, please, can you just you know, recommend the church around that access so that I worship there? And she told me, you know, she told me no in church. And when I was going to church that morning, I was praising God, please. I have something that is disturbing me. I like you to speak to me today. I like you to minister to me today. I like you to encourage me. I was so I was going with so much expectation, and when I sat on that that the, the ministration and that job, it was as if the man of God was singled out my case and was talking directly about my case. And I left that church that day so edified, and I said, "Thank God I did not miss church." So what are you expecting when you come? What are you expecting when you come? Are you saying, God, please, 
Anybody that will minister today, let something drop in my spirit. I am coming here because I need there is a vacuum in my life that I need you to fill. Or are you just coming because it is Monday, Kaija Fellowship, and you are here? What is the expectation of your heart when you come before God? What is that that you desire? There, is, there should be something that you are expecting. Because if you are not expectant, you will not receive anything. The Bible said, open your mouth and I will feel it. So there has to be an opening before God will do what? We feel it. Shout hallelujah. So I'd like you to know that our coming to fellowship is not just a, we are here to draw strength. The Bible said in Psalm chapter 84 verse 7 that they grow from strength to strength all they that appear before God in Zion. We are here to grow from what? Strength to strength. Shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. hallelujah. And the Bible also said that as we behold in a mirror the glory of God as, as in a mirror that we have been transformed into the same image from what? From glory to what? To glory. Just by the Spirit of the Lord. So there is something here for you. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. And I would like to make us understand again. Listen, this is very important that we know this. It is not every gathering that qualifies for a fellowship. Did you hear that? It is not every gathering that qualifies for a fellowship. They can be shouting Jesus, 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 there. But that may not be fellowship. And you may just have to in your time. Be part of some association. Listen, there's a difference between what we're doing here and the social gathering. Do you know that? There's a difference between what we're doing here and the Umunna meeting. Shout hallelujah. There are things that make this thing different from the social gathering, from your club gathering, from your community gatherings. There is something. And that is what God will help us to understand tonight in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So it's important that we know this, like I said. So that we don't waste our time and energy doing an exercise in futility. And can I tell you this? Any gathering that does not add spiritual value to your life is not qualified to be called a fellowship. Shout hallelujah. Any gathering that does not add spiritual value to your life is not qualified to be called a fellowship. So beyond that, you shall be blessed. You shall be promoted. You shall be this. You shall build on your houses before December. You ask yourself, what spiritual value is being added to you? Every time when you come to fellowship, are you encouraged to go and sing? Or are you encouraged to run from sin? What are the kind of messages we hear in the so-called places that we call fellowship? You find out that there is something that is missing. We have missed the gap, the, the, the mark. We've we missed what it's supposed to be. And you know, because when you really don't know where you are going to, everywhere will look like it. Or anywhere will look like it. And because we, don't have, we no longer have that scriptural model, Anything, the church, the fellowship, everything, just noise, 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 shouting, noise, noise, and we go home empty-handed. I pray that God will help us in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, let us, I want to show something quickly from the book of 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. There's something that the Bible said there, and I'd like us to take note of that very quickly. In 1 John chapter 1, if you read from verse 3, okay, 1 John chapter 1, if you read from verse 3, okay, and it said, That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, the next verse. 
verse 4. And he said, all these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. There is something that is in for us here. And that was what uh, the writer of 1 John was telling them, John the Beloved, that, you know, that their joy may be filled when they begin to assess the benefits of why they are here. Now verse 5 says, this then is the message which we have heard of him. What is that message? And we declare unto you that God is what? Light. And in him is no what? Darkness at all. Look at the verse verse. And then, so if we say that we have fellowship in him and we walk in what? What happens? We lie and we do not know the truth. If we say that we have fellowship with him and we still walk in darkness, if we still walk in darkness, that means we are deceiving ourselves. Hallelujah. We are deceiving ourselves. We are lying. We do not. We are far from the truth. Look at verse 7. And then, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another. So outside the light, there is no what? Fellowship. And that is why I said that it is not a big gathering that qualifies for a fellowship. Once the light of God is not there, you can just call it anything you like, but I mean, God is not there. And what we are doing is not fellowship. Shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. hallelujah. And of course, before what is light and what is darkness. Once there is a trace of darkness in what is being done, that means there is no what? Fellowship. Shout hallelujah. And so tonight, very quickly as I begin to round up, we're going to be asking ourselves some important questions, important questions. What makes for an effective fellowship? And we shall be looking, you know, at the life of the early church. And we'll try to understand what made their fellowship effective. Shout hallelujah. There was a prayer that Paul said in the book of Philemon chapter 1 verse 6. If you look at that particular scripture, from the New American Standard Bible, it says, I pray that the fellowship of your, of your faith may become effective through the knowledge of every good thing which is in you for Christ's sake. Shout hallelujah. That the fellowship of your faith may become what? Effective by the knowledge. So it takes knowledge to make fellowship effective. Shout hallelujah. It takes what? Knowledge. You have to know what is the right thing? You know, sometimes we do things. Sometimes I see pastors do some things that when you look at what they do, you cannot see a trace of this thing in the Bible. And because it is popular, people do it. It becomes a tradition. But if you look at it carefully, it is a scriptural. And we see a lot of things like this in the church. And you're asking yourself, where did this one see this one in the scripture? And you cannot find it. Shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Somebody shouts, preach a message, and he tells you that, you know, for you to be a part of this, you have to bring 10,000 naira. And you ask yourself, this gift of God, is it mortgaged? Is it for sale? And you see many men of God, prominent men of God, do things like this. And you ask yourself, where did these people see this thing? It is because we do not know. And because if a big man of God does it, does not make it right. Yes, Our standard is not their life. Our standard is the scripture. Shout hallelujah. The standard is the word, the scripture. And that was what Paul was trying to say. That their fellowship may become effective through knowledge. Shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. hallelujah. So let us quickly look at four lessons that we can draw from the fellowship of the early church. What made their fellowship effective? What made the power of God so evident in their midst? What made God perform all manner of strange works in their midst? 
We're going to look at quickly four things that was evident in the fellowship of the early church. And we're going to be picking up bearing from where we read earlier in Acts chapter 2. We're not going to read again because of time. If you read from that, that's uh, 42 to 47. We shall be seeing some things which made their fellowship effective. Number one is that they were devoted to the apostle teachings. Hallelujah. And what are these teachings of the apostle? They are the same instructions that you have in your Bible in the New Testament. They were devoted to it. So in other words, we can say that these people were devoted to the scriptures. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can the same be said about fellowship today? How committed are we to the scriptures? How committed are we to the scriptures? And that is why because of this lack of commitment is why you see all these practices, all these teachings that contradict the scriptures. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So if we must make our fellowship effective, it must be based on the scripture. It must be anchored on the scripture. It must be anchored on the word of God. It must be anchored on the word of God. And that is why you, as a partaker of this fellowship, no matter the Bible said in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, let this word so richly dwell in you. Because when it dwells richly in you, you'll be able to discern between what is right and what is wrong. That your pastor has said it does not make it right. Shout hallelujah. hallelujah. My friend told me that he went for marriage counseling. And when the man of God was counseling him, the man of God told him something. He said, sorry, sir. It's not in the scripture. And he <laughs> shout hallelujah. And he told him and he pointed, you know, through the scripture and he told the man of God that look, look at what the, the man said, okay, oh, sorry, I'm not seeing it from this direction. So sometimes you need to discern. Praise the Lord. You need to know the word so that when people tell you things, you say, no, this one is not it. It's not in accordance to my scripture. Shout hallelujah. So that we don't allow our emotions and sentiments, you know, we don't bring it into the worship of God. We need to anchor everything on the word, on the scripture. Shout hallelujah. hallelujah. And that was the same thing Paul was warning them about. If you look at the book of 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 3. He said, for a time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. They will not. But they, they wanted to have they lost, sorry, but after their own loss, shall they heal to themselves teachers. They are looking for teachers that will tell them what they want to hear. Shout hallelujah. hallelujah. These are the kind of things that we see today. When you see some of these churches that tell you, oh, this is your year, I'm not saying these things are bad. But when you see some of these ones that preach, you know, the one we call uh, undiluted, you will see people there. Everybody wants everyone to remember. Shouting, you will build 20 houses before December without a job, without a business. <laughs> these are the kind of things that we like today. And this is what Paul was saying as far back in the days that a time like this will come and that time is here. Are we not seeing these things today? Shout hallelujah. So what they are looking after is for people that will tell them things in accordance to their own desires. And sometimes you see pastors say a lot of funny things like you're imagining what is really happening. Some of them will say, ah, that masturbation is not a sin. I say, ah. We see this. I want to see them. We see these things. We hear these things. And that is what Paul was warning them about. Be careful. Because this time shall come and this time is here. So everything that we do must be based on the scriptures. Shout hallelujah. What is the number two lesson that we learn from the fellowship of the apostles? Is that they were united and they shared things in common. They were united and they shared things in common. 
Get for me quickly Acts chapter 4, verse 32 to 33. Acts chapter 4, verse 32 to 33. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart, unity, and of one soul, unity. Neither said any of them that all of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. Praise the Lord. Next verse, please. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them was all. The kind of unity that was in the church at that time was the reason behind the power that we see. Praise the Lord. If you take your mind back to what happened in the tower, during the, the time of the Tower of Babel, you saw how united these people were. And God saw the heart of these men. God saw the power in their unity. And he said, if we don't stop these people, you know, something wrong may happen. Shout hallelujah. And that was the same order these people were operating in. They were operating in you know, everybody was united in purpose. If I begin to sample our opinion, why are we here today? A lot of different opinions. A lot that is contrary to the will of God. You see people, for instance, as a young man, just like that, they have pointed out. Maybe who is looking for a wife? He, okay, and then, because you think you find a good wife in church or fellowship. You register, you begin to come for fellowship. These are the kind of motives that we see. You come to fellowship because you are looking for people that will help you. Or you're looking, I mean, it is strange. But these people were not like that. They were united in purpose. Their concern was how to advance the gospel. Their concern was how to promote the kingdom of God. This was their major concern. And the things, you know, because of this, they were not bothered about, you know, possessions. Why is it that you hold back what you have? Why is it that you don't give it to God? It's because you are not thinking about God. You are beclouded by your personal and selfish desires. I know what the Bible said in uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, seeking first the kingdom of God. Is your priority seeking first the kingdom of God? That's what you need to ask yourself as you fellowship. What is your priority? Have you made the kingdom your number one priority? Have you made the things of God your number one priority? And because we have not made God and his kingdom our priority, we do not get the things that we want. We keep running around from one place to the other. In the fellowship in two months, in the church in two months, you change the general model. Because you have failed to do the first thing first. And it's by your ability to do that first thing that will bring the other thing. The Bible says, and other things shall be added unto you. If you look at that scripture, if you read it from verse 31, it says, do not worry about what you will wear or what you will eat or what you will drink. He said, it is the Gentiles that bother about these things. It is the Gentiles that are mad about these things. He said, for your father in heaven knows that you have need of these things. But when you seek him first, like his kingdom and his righteousness, every other thing, all these things shall be added unto you. I pray that God will begin to reorient us so that we shall begin to have another approach to our fellowship in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you look at the book of Psalms, chapter 33, verse 1, the Bible says, How good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Praise the Lord. Number three is that these men were committed to prayers. Prayer was the major hallmark of the early day church. Praise the Lord. So you find out that the essence of the apostle in the early church was a function of their commitment to prayers. These men were committed to prayers. Hallelujah. Amen. 
And if you also look at your Bible, you understand again that in Matthew chapter 21, verse 13, Jesus reminded them and said, See, my house shall be called a house of what? Prayer. Prayer should be the center of what we do here. Shout hallelujah. So you cannot expect an effective fellowship when prayer is absent. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And again, I'd like to make us understand tonight that we are here to edify ourselves. Is it not true? We are in fellowship to build ourselves. Is it not true? And if you look at the book of Jude chapter 20, 1 verse 20, the Bible says, building up your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. So prayer is a way where we build up our faith. Shout hallelujah. So when we come here, we are not just, when we pray, we are not just praying for our needs. We are praying to build up our faith. Praying in the Holy Ghost to build up our faith. And it, it is with that faith that we will command extraordinary results. I pray that God will help us in the name of Jesus. Amen. And finally, finally I'm trying to rush because of time. You see from that Acts chapter 2 verse 47, the Bible says they were praising God and having favor with all the people. Shout hallelujah. So we can see that God was glorified in their fellowship. It was about glorifying God. Hallelujah. They had set God at the center of everything that they did. It was all about God. And so they were careful to return the glory to God because and because of that God brought them in favor with people and added to them daily. Added to them daily. Added to them daily. Praise the Lord. So in what we do here, we must be careful to give glory to God. Be careful to praise God. You know, there are, there are principles that govern some of the things that we do. Scriptural principles. And I tell people that, you know, a principle is bound to give you results, no matter where. Why is it that we don't get the right result? Because we don't apply the right principles. If I throw off this microphone, there is a principle that guarantees that it must fall. And that principle is called what? Gravity. So I do not need to pray and fast. Once I throw off this microphone, it will do what? When you glorify God, as in the days of the act of apostle, in what you do in fellowship, God will add to your numbers daily. When you do things to glorify God, when you do the things of God to glorify Him, He will add because it is His business. It is not your business, you know. It, you know, you, God is is a more stakeholder than you in this thing. So it is He's more interested in growing the church than you. And so when you do the right thing, when you put Apply the right principle. He steps in and gives you the right results. Shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. hallelujah. In everything that we do, God must be glorified. Sometimes God looks at us from heaven and says, that is one. What are they doing? People come out to testify because you want brethren to know that God has given you a new car. You're not even testifying to give glory to God. You want your neighbor to know that you're level. Like again, level again, you the same thing. And you're coming and saying, praise the Lord. The Lord just gave me a new car. What is the motive of that testimony? Are you testifying to encourage somebody or edify somebody or glorify God? You are testifying so that never give their one and never give their one the same. And these are the kind of things that we see. <laughs> Shout hallelujah. So in all that we do, even in the praise and worship, even in how you serve in the kingdom, it must be to glorify God and not anybody. And when you do that, God adds. When you do that, God does what? Adds. I pray that from today, 
Something will change about our approach to fellowship in the name of Jesus. Amen. There was a time we were running a new fellowship at that time. You know, and I remember those days. We will come, you know. You know, youths are really dynamic. They will come and they will go. We will come this Sunday and I have maybe 30 persons attending the fellowship. Next Sunday to reduce to 20. And we were doing all manner of canal efforts, you know, sending text messages, calling people, and these things did not give us results. Until we began to search for the secrets. We started to look for the secrets. We started to look for books read. And as we began to apply these principles, we began to see changes. We began to see results. I pray that as we begin to apply kingdom principles, you will begin to see results in the name of Jesus. Amen. I pray that as we begin to apply kingdom principles, even as what we do collectively here, results will be evident in our midst in the name of Jesus. Amen. Finally, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9. The Bible says, So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please Him. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9. Are you there? Whether, wherefore we labor, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. Let us pray. I'd like you to just in a few minutes begin to reflect over the word that you have tonight. This is a call for us to reevaluate our approach to fellowship. It is a time to reevaluate your, your, the essence of your being here. The essence of your coming to this place every Monday. Say, Father, please help us. Give us the grace to have the right kind of approach to what we're doing here. Say, Father, please help us. Let our coming here not just be in vain. It is going to be a bad thing that after coming for fellowship 20 years, 30 years, and we will still miss the mark. God forbid. Say, Father, please help us. It is not about the attendance. It is not about being dedicated in what is being done here. The question is, what you are doing, is it pleasing to God? Say, Father, please help me. No wonder the Bible says that, you know, in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, I beseech you, brethren, therefore, to offer yourselves, your bodies, as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto God. For this is your reasonable service. Every other thing is unreasonable. Everything, other thing does not matter. Say, Father, please help us. That at the end of time, we shall not be cast away. That our labor, some of us defy the stay at home, stay at home, others to be here. Some of us walk to be here. That all our efforts shall not be in vain. Say, Father, please help us. Come, Dika, Jesus. Come, Dika, Jesus. I
standard that we are looking up to. We are not running this race according to our own pattern. There is already a pattern that has been laid before us and has been set before us by Jesus. And our prayer is that we shall be like Jesus. So say, Father, please help me. No wonder the Bible says that let our light so shine before men that they may see our good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven. Say, Father, please allow me to walk in the light, the path of righteousness. Allow me to walk in the same footsteps as Jesus. Allow me to walk in accordance to the pattern that has been laid before me by Jesus. I pray that the meditation of our heart and the words of our mouth tonight will be acceptable before God. In the precious name of Jesus we pray. Jump your hands together for Jesus. Hallelujah.